This is Power Players with Dan Clark. Tell, talk to us. Take us all the way back to growing up, number three. So two parents in the home, one parent, siblings. Tell us about your life. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I was born in Logan. Um, my dad had just finished playing <clears throat> Excuse me, up at Utah State. He played tight end over there. And so, yeah, my my me and four of my brothers were up in Logan, and then um, we moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and then we moved to Boulder, Colorado, then we moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and then moved back up to Cache Valley. My my dad's been uh, he works for uh, right now he works for the football team up at Utah State again, and so that's what he's been he's just been in college football my whole life, and so you know that how that works when the staff gets fired, and then. The coach oh, yeah. gets fired, the staff either goes or stays. And and so, yeah, we've been fortunate enough to uh, – what was that? What did your dad do? What does is, what is he coach? He was in uh, – he was doing academics for a while when we were with, uh, like, in Arkansas and that. Um, when Bobby Petrino was over there, that was his – my dad's OC in college. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we, we were following Bobby around for a minute. And then when, uh, when Matt Wells was up at Utah State – um, that Matt Wells was one of my dad's quarterbacks in college, and so wow. he brought him. He brought him back up there to be the director of football operations, and then right now he's just doing a little bit of administrative things and academics as well. And so, yeah, just staying around the athletic program or the athletic department around the football team. So, were your siblings were they athletes like you? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm uh, the second oldest of seven kids, and so. Yeah, my older brother didn't play um, sports, but or he played in high school, but he didn't play after his mission. Um, but yeah, I'm here, and then my little my brother under me, his name's Junior. He plays at Idaho State. He's a safety up there. That's great, Pocatello. And then my brother yeah, under him, the mini dome before. Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah, they have a nice little little dome up there. They just renovated, I know. Um. And then my brother under junior, Joe Vesa, he just got off his mission um, a few months ago. But he's going down to uh, BYU to play. He plays offense, running back, receiver. And so it's not too late to convert him to the Utah bloodline. Come on, baby. Man, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, that's that's Jovessa. And then uh, my little sister under him, she just started her uh, her freshman year up at Gonzaga. She plays volleyball. Wow, what a great school to go to, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's loving it over there. She's a setter. And then I have two more siblings still in high school and still coming up, so we'll see what happens with them. Now, with all due respect, sounds like your dad and mom, your dad needs to donate to the sperm bank. You got some <laughs> elite athlete flipping DNA rolling, baby. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, everyone um, says it's my mom's side, though. <laughs> uh, well, talk to us about you're a four-star recruit and you go to Stanford. Who was the coach at Stanford? Same guy yeah. who's here now, right? Uh, it was David Shaw at the time. Uh, he just resigned this past year. Um, yeah, just being recruited by a lot of different schools in high school, but I always had uh, just high just academic goals. And um, I always looked at Stanford as, as my dream school. You know, yeah. yeah, like coming up in high school, they were – I know that one year they finished like number three in the nation. They're really good. Christian McCaffrey and them over there. I know. Andrew Lug bringing them up. So, yeah, I I committed to Stanford. 
um, and then went on my mission, and then yeah, came back and played four years over there, and I loved it over there. It was great. Yeah, you were captain. I saw. You know, I uh, I'm a cut and dried dude. I played football and baseball at Utah, but my uh, you know I've taught public speaking at, at the university level for 11 years, MBA program at all the universities. And I taught at BYU for four and a half years in a red tie. Oh, wow. red tie. So like in, my, in, in one class, I had Kyle Vanoy and Taysom Hill and Cody, you know, Cody Hoffman and all the guys. And that's what happened to Taysom, as you know. He came out of Highland High School in Idaho, and he committed when Harbaugh was the coach at Stanford. He committed to Stanford for the same reasons you did. And then when he got off his mission, Harbaugh was uh, already gone. So that's when he transferred to BYU. You know, oh, yeah. is when a coach leaves, suddenly we have to <clears throat> find a program that believes in us, you know. Mm-hmm. This podcast episode is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, the most amazing company in home services, a major sponsor of the University of Utah Student Athletes. So why did you decide to come to Utah after uh, you left Stanford? I mean, you could have gone to BYU, you could have gone to Utah State, you could have gone somewhere Teach us about the Utah culture that really attracted you to come back home. Um, yeah, yeah. I was looking at a lot of different schools in the portal um, after I graduated. Um, but Utah ultimately was just the place I wanted to be because of just that great tradition they have of defense. And, you know, Coach Scally, he's, he's a genius. And he recruited me. Um, you know, if I would have went to Stanford, I probably would have went to Utah out of high school. And so I was always high on Utah and uh, you know, all the same coaches are still here for the most part. And so I already had a relationship with them. And it was just – it felt like a no-brainer for me to 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 come back – if I'm coming back home, to come back to Utah. Well, you're such an amazing addition. You know, my, my nephew, Chris Clark, and my son and my other nephew, Josh, they're – some people would accuse them of being autistic. They remember every stat. They know all the players. <laughs> They'll be anything that I wanted to know about you – and when the word got out that you were coming to Utah, man, that was not just a family conversation. That was a community conversation. We're so fortunate to have you. And I played defensive end, stand-up linebacker uh, when I played. And so I watch you meticulously. I watch a lot of the players. And we hone in for, you know, on my row, I've got tickets on the fourth row on the 50-yard line. So we will say, okay, let's, you know uh, – you know, let's watch number three. Let's watch, watch Levani for, you know, a whole series. And then we start judging you and we start evaluating <laughs> That's just so fun to watch. You never take a playoff. You're just flying around the field. You show up at the line of scrimmage in a bad mood. Oh, you got man. all those great qualities. So let's dive a little bit more into uh, into your football preparation. I'm supposed to ask questions that all the fans want to know. Okay. Were you always this big and this fast and this strong, or were you, you know, maybe you have one of those stories where, you know, you were Herbert Milk Toast in the seventh grade and <laughs> something happened and you started to blossom. Teach us about your athletic career. When you started playing ball, did you play other sports? Kind of give us a snapshot of your life. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I started playing football in fifth grade um, when I was uh, still living in Arkansas. And but I've always just had a, a love for it. Um, just like my dad being around my dad playing football and just growing up around college football and, you know, seeing on the weekends, going to see like 
some great like Tim Tebow. Uh, who else? We were watching Johnny Manziel, like just amazing players every weekend. And um, yeah, it was just inspiring. And so as for like physical stature, I guess I, I've always been like uh, just, you know, bigger. I never had to try too hard to gain weight or anything, um, it was, it, which has been a blessing. Um, but yeah, I, in high school, I also played uh, basketball. I love basketball. Um, yeah, I was like, I wasn't sure if I was going to play my senior year, but I, I'm glad I did. Um, my dad and my coach convinced me and ended up winning a state championship senior year. Um, and one, one of my, one of my close teammates, he played here at Utah. He just grad transferred to Denver, Jackson Brenchley. And so, yeah, we still, me and Jackson still, uh, still talk a lot and, um, yeah, that's one of my close friends. And so. Yeah, loved playing basketball growing up as well. Um, I think one of the more challenging parts for me, like with my body, um, was when I got off my mission. I I had mentioned that I gain, I can gain weight easily, and so I went to New Zealand on my mission and I uh, gained about forty pounds. And so I came home. I was two seventy um, going to my freshman year at Stanford, and so it was it was a long a long road to you know. What were you playing? uh at stanford yeah what position i was still playing inside linebacker at 270 yeah like right when i right when i got home that was my first weigh-in and so it was it was just a, a lot of dieting a lot of extra cardio after the conditioning after the lifts and so but you know th those coaches got me right and uh you know just helped me cut that weight fast and so that, that was always a big uh one a big challenge that i that i thought or that i think about um yeah when I start when I first started playing and so which mission there's three missions in New Zealand which one did you serve in yeah I served in the Auckland mission my brother's the uh mission president in Wellington oh awesome just since July oh wow that's great this is one of my nephews that just is a big fan of yours and that knows everything about you probably from the from the amount of cal calories you eat for breakfast this dude's a fan so that's cool oh. connection oh yeah yeah Good connection. So since we brought it up, what did you learn on your mission that has helped you become, that helped you transfer from boy to man? And I ask you that question because we have so many other awesome players on the team who are not LDS. And they, you know, come into the Utah program, Kyle and, and, and Scally and all the coaches are famous for taking two and three star recruits and turn them into four and five. And, you come in already at a four-star level and now you're a five-star level, but I think that has something to do with your character and the experience you had in New Zealand. So unashamed, oh, yeah. tell us what, what you learn on an LDS mission for those who have never served and how it prepares you to come back and just be this man that maybe when you left, you were just a boy. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Did a lot of growing up on my mission. Um, learned so much, a lot of maturing, but I think uh, one thing I always think about um, that changed for myself drastically was uh, it's pretty simple, but it's just uh, my ability to just express love to those around me. Um, I think like just before my mission, I was just pretty, uh, I don't know, just that just wasn't me. Like I didn't, I, I was bad at like, 
you know, conveying my emotions and uh, speaking through that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, just definitely on my mission. And afterwards, uh, I realized the importance of like just showing love for those around you. And it doesn't have to be saying like, I love you. It could just be like, you know, doing it in other ways as well. And so um, that's one thing that's helped me just grow into being a better leader and a better teammate for sure to, uh, to everyone around me. And I know at Utah, you know, we always preach about family and um, playing together, playing for each other. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, something that you wouldn't expect to, to correlate to football, but it definitely does. Yeah. And that's, as I've interviewed so many of the young men and young women from Utah over the last couple of years, it's funny how all of you kind of mentioned that it's this, this deeper feeling of family and love and support that you just don't hear about on so many teams. Yes. Yeah. And it looks like you're having so much fun. I've been to practice many times and you actually love to practice. That's a good sign. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So I played under McBride back in the day. Okay. And now he's getting older and I'll be on some panels and they'll ask me, what was he like? And I've had a chance to really think about it. And he was the one that made practice fun. Everybody loved to practice. And because we practice so hard and you practice like you play it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Once you hit the game field. So teach us, you're, 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 you're so awesome, Lavani. I appreciate this. Oh, so, so, thanks, so, Dan. so let me ask you kind of a, a deeper philosophical question. So, there's fifth if, if in college football you have 12 Saturdays in a regular season, then you play for the conference championship. And if you make it into the football playoff, you got two more games. So maximum, you would play 15 games in a year, 15 Saturdays. And that gives you 350 other days of the year to focus on process so that you're ready to play once Saturday game time comes and, they, and you got to strap it on and kick it off. So what would you do on the off season to make yourself better today than you were yesterday? Do you just, the second a season over, you feel like you have a well-deserved rest. Let me just go back to New Zealand and kick back and chill <laughs> out, my shoes off. Or you think there's value in that? So that when you come back, you're hungry or do you just maintain this high level of intensity the second the last game's over? You just you're back in the gym and back running the stadium steps. Um, no, yeah, I definitely think like recovery is important. But um, yeah, at the same time, the offseason, that's when you when you're, uh, you know, earning your your confidence and um, all of the preparation that you put in for the season on your working on your body and um watching film, your football IQ, like those are the things that you fall back on. You're like fall back, falling back on your preparation in the season. So it's all that work you put in the off season. And um, for me, it, it it's a lot of dieting for me. Yeah, a lot of dieting, um, just eating the right things and um, yeah, just getting cardio in. Just like I said, it's like, yeah, I can, if I'm, if I don't do anything for a week, like, I'm putting on like seven pounds. And so, yeah, it's, I've always got to be on top of my body and um, yeah, just like we, our coaches always preach this, how our bodies are like, is everything, you know? Um, 
And so, yeah, the off season, when I like first thing I think of in the off season is just like taking care of your body and, and staying on top of it. And so, um, yeah, that's a good question. This podcast episode is sponsored by Berkshire Hathaway, Utah properties. Thank you so much for your undying support of Utah student athletes. So another, you know, follow-up question then is if you get, and we all know anybody who's played any sports, we work so hard in the off season to get our, our, our lifts up, our bench, our max, our speed. How hard is it for you to maintain your level of strength once the season begins? Oh, because, yeah. no, I mean, I remember when I played against the University of Houston, I lost 11 pounds of water weight in one game. It was so freaking hot and humid. So during the season, it's hard to maintain your physical strength and your and your cardio. So teach us, give us the inside scoop on how you do what what's your very best way to maintain or increase your strength during the season once it starts. Um, yeah, our coaches, Coach Doug and his uh, strength staff, they do a great job of um, the lifts that we do, how they're they're planned out. Um, just like the volume, volume-wise, um, he does a great job. Like, we're going to go heavy this week, but this week we're, you know, we had a high player load in this game, so we're going to back off a little bit. Um, yeah, just making sure that that strength training, um, it's essential during the season. You know, it's not only keeping your muscle, but also for injury prevention. Um, we know that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a, a super important part of, the process and just, you know, getting enough protein in you as well. Um, putting the right things in your body. That's all. Yeah. It all fa falls into the same category. Okay. So give us the, the inside of an elite athlete. So, you know, I'm a professional speaker. I'm a motivation, motivational speaker. Look out, baby. <laughs> and one of the analogies I use is that we go into a gym and we create discomfort on purpose. We're always pushing ourselves. But most people, unlike you, they leave the gym and suddenly they want 90-degree weather with the wind blowing over their shoulder and princess parking at every mall and a sale at every store, and that ain't freaking reality. So teach us. Now put on your coach's hat. Put on your mentor hat. And you're not talking to athletes. You're talking to people who don't get the value of creating discomfort on, on purpose, putting a little bit more weight on every day is the goal. Mm -hmm. Every day is to run one more wind sprint than you did the day before, or at least run harder than you did the day before. And why don't most people get that? And what would happen to their lives and their professional success if they did? Coach us right now, baby. You're a motivational speaker. Yeah. I mean, a quote that comes to mind is the, is a, uh... There's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. And so, um, you know, just always pushing yourself. And um, we, we talk about in the program being, getting 22% better every day. Um, you, I think when you, uh, you know, after you, you, you push yourself and you know what your limits are and you come back another day and you, you uh, do another workout, you can like, you could tell, or you can like feel it within yourself. Like if you, if you went hard or if you, if you push yourself hard enough. And so, um, yeah, that's just a conversation you have to have with yourself every day. Like, did I give my all, um, what did, did I leave some stuff in the tank? Um, 
And for me, I think, yeah, just, just striving to, to just give your all every day, just because, you know, we're only going to be, we only play football for a few years, just like, you know, you play, yeah, you're an athlete. And so um, it's going to be over one day and just trying to take advantage of every opportunity and just, just loving it all along the way um, is just, it yeah, was such a powerful, important. it's such a powerful family influence. I don't know what the current statistics are, but back in the day, not too long ago, there was about one out of 20,000 high school basketball players would ever get a scholarship to play college basketball. Wow. And as I explained that, I would say, yet there are playgrounds all across America who are crammed full of athletes good enough to not just play college, but to play pro. But because somewhere in their youth, they chose to hang out with the wrong friends, not stay eligible, not do the right thing, get in trouble, which is a personal choice. But teach us about the significance of choosing good friends and hanging around with the right people. Oh, yeah. No, I... I definitely believe that. Um, yeah, the people that you surround yourself with are, you know, you start to, you know, like, you influence each other. And so um, I was I was really fortunate enough to in high school to have good friends that, um, you know, that I came up with. We all supported each other in our goals. Um, and that was the thing. We all had the, the same kind of goals. You know, we all wanted to go to college and go on missions and um, – yeah. And so we were able to help each other with that. But, you know, if you surround yourself with those those people that will don't have goals like that, don't uh, they'll just bring you down. You'll, you'll bring each other down. And so, yeah, I definitely <clears throat> excuse me. I definitely believe that surrounding yourself with good people is uh, is super important to get you where you want to be. Cool. so let's, let's take it on onto the on the field. Looks like we got the Relief Society gathering behind you, man. What the heck, dude? Oh, yeah. <laughs> got the, we, got, we, we brought in a special old like swing for you, and you're not even sitting in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a 25-second shot clock, baby. So the whistle's blown, and you both, both teams go to the huddle. And you've got 25 seconds. The average football play lasts five seconds. By the time you uncover, you know, maybe seven seconds. So what do you think about if you've missed a tackle? If somebody's caught a pass in your zone or man-to-man, -man, you haven't you know, covered the guy coming out of the backfield, whatever the case may be, how do you recover in, in 17 to 20 seconds to get ready for the next play and not wallow in something that you, you messed up in? And let's just remind the viewers that they're – in an average football game, there are 60 to 70 plays. And yep. not every play is designed to score a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And every guy you're playing against has also been in the weight room. He's also watched game film. He also knows that when you set up in a specific formation on defense, you're lined up in the A gap or the B gap or you're shifting over or whatever the case may be, they are working to get the competitive advantage over you, so you can't possibly expect to dominate on all 60 to 70 plays, even though you're this freaking stud stat stallion. I even stuttered, I was trying to say stud stallion. So, every, you know, it's just a matter of time before somebody that you're playing against 
is going to block you or mm-hmm. is catch a pass in your zone. So how do you mentally recover from, as we say, getting beat on that play? So you rise to the occasion already 20 seconds later for the next play. Yeah, that's a, that's a real, uh, like a, a real dilemma that a lot of players have. I mean, I know early on in my, uh, when I first started playing in college, that's all like I'd mess up one time. And that's all I could think about for the rest of the game. And so, um, yeah, just really having a short-term memory and, you know, if it was a, if it was a bad play, just flushing it and, you know, moving on to the next play. If it was a good play too, just, just flush it and move on to the next play. And so, um, yeah, it's just always about the next play. You know, you can, you can't change the past. And so, uh, yeah, just, just always just moving on, just having a short-term memory and, um, you know, go into the sideline in between series and, you know, talk, talk about what happened and learn from your mistakes, but definitely don't dwell on, on mistakes. That's, that's, a uh, something that, you know, I, I'm still trying every day to, um, to work on that. And so, yeah, it's, it, it can be a little challenging to, to flush it, you know, when it happens, like the, you have that 20 seconds in between plays to, um, to move on, but yeah, just learning and, and moving on to the next play. Yeah, that's all you can do. You're such a first-class guy. I would never even ask you if you ever talk trash. We don't want to know that. But do you ever mix talking trash with a compliment? In other words, some guy catches a pass in your zone and your closing time is sweet. You know, you, you cut him off, but he might have got a first first down. And as you're unpiling, you say, hey, man, that was great. But then you got to flip him a little trash, like, but never again, or I dare you to come back here or anything like that. There's that mutual respect about athletes who succeed and push us to be better. So do you ever find yourself, you know, complimenting a guy who just made an awesome run or caught a pass in your zone? And then in your mind or even with your lips, you say, but, you know, I dare you to come back here, dude. Yeah, I would definitely say I'm more – I. I lean more on the side of like trash talking more than compliments, but um, <laughs> I I think, yeah, one thing with that, I, I always know it's important to just leave everything on the field, um, trash talk, whatever. And, and, you know, when you're shaking hands after the game, that's usually when I give compliments. Um, but, yeah. I leave the trash talking all in the 60 minutes and then, you know, before <laughs> and after just, you know, just, you can be friends, but yeah, I think I'm more lean on the, the trash talking side, but I, I don't really remember anything I said, so I, I can't I can't repeat anything. That's so funny. You know, my dad growing up, he said to identify the thoroughbreds of my generation and keep in touch. So I kind of challenge every elite athlete like you, you know, you identify you, you, you rattled off McCaffrey and Tim Tebow and those guys. And if you were playing for Arkansas, if you were playing in the SEC, those would be the guys that you'd go up to after the game and say, Hey, you know, whatever your number was, I'm number three, you know, thanks. It was fun competing against you. And, you know, let's keep in touch or something like that. Because so I played against McMahon. So I've been friends with McMahon forever. And oh, wow. I played against because I recognized that they were superstars and I wanted to make sure we were friends because they were going to do so many things after football, yep. not just yep. football. This podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services Utah Properties. 
one of the major sponsors of University of Utah student-athletes. So as a leader on the field, uh, what do you say to a, a fellow teammate who just blew it, who seems to have his head down, who doesn't have that short-term memory? So, Levani, what would you say to me if I just screwed up royally to fire me up as a leader on the field? You know, I would just, you know, just show, just show you love and um, just pick you up. You know, yeah, just like same thing. I I would tell myself, just you know, flush that, flush it, and move on. And so, yeah, that 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 happens to our teammates, happens to us. And so, yeah, that's that's definitely a conversation that happens every day at practice and even in the games too. So, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's get personal. How do you prepare for game day? Um, I during the week I, I make sure to to watch a lot of film. Um, we have like certain cut-ups that we watch, but I also just like, you know, just, oh, sorry. Um, just watching a game, like cut it, putting a, putting one of their, one of their games on, like not the TV copy, but just like the film version copy and just, you know, going through in my mind, playing like with calls and everything. Um, but yeah, that, and then just making sure my, my body weight's correct. Like my, my body weight's where it should be throughout the week. Um, drinking enough electrolytes and everything. Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, yeah, physical and mental preparation throughout the your week. Pre, what's your game day, pregame meal? And what, what do you listen to music? Do you calm yourself down and then put on, you know, ACDC as you're walking onto the field? I mean, teach us, give us the inside scoop. Yeah, I, I eat a lot of carbs. Um, I just, yeah, there's a there's a game a few years ago that uh, I just started cramping up, and you know when you start cramping in a game, it's like you can't make a comeback from that. It's like once you start again, you'll just start cramping again. And so, um, yeah, after that, I've just I like will load carbs and then um, music. Probably just I just listen to a lot of reggae. Um, I don't get too high or too low. Just you know, just try to stay in a good mindset where I can you know think fast and. Yeah. Very cool. So personal life, girlfriend, wife, nine children. Talk to us. Teach us about you, baby. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm married. Yeah. My wife and I have been married for almost like three and a half years. Um, and we just had our first kid last June. And so as a boy, he's, he's four months old or no, no, like five months, probably. Yeah. Probably like five months old right now. But yeah, so, that's been will fun. You want him to play football. What was that? Sorry. You will you want him to play football? Can you wait to coach this kid? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh I think I think he'll want to play sports. Yeah. His my wife, she she was a pretty good basketball player in high school. She was Miss Basketball and um wow. Gatorade Player of the Year. And so yeah, I think he Whoa, baby. Yeah, I think he'll I think he'll uh enjoy sports. Well, you know, as a as an old athlete and as a grandfather with some grandchildren, you need to have about sixteen or seventeen more kids with that bloodline flowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Talk about nil. We'll start supporting every kid you pop out, man. Yep. <laughs> okay, last uh, last question, man. Not not last question. Second last question. What's your favorite food, man? My favorite food. You have to cook. You come home after practice and 
you, you know, and your wife wants to put a big old smile on her face. What's the what's the meal of the day? Probably, I just like beef stew and rice. Yeah, just not too elaborate or anything. Just yeah, a little, real simple meal. But yeah, is that, it's is that New Zealand influence at all? No, um, a little bit more of a, it's just like what my something my mom would always make too, just growing up. And so my, my wife's pretty good at making it too. So yeah, I'd probably say that. That's the first thing that came to mind. So no, you're awesome. Yeah. Hey, so let's talk NIL. So if you, uh, when you get drafted, you're that good, uh, uh, who's your favorite, who would you want to be drafted by and why? Um, My favorite team has always been the Steelers growing up. Because of uh, just because Troy Polamalu, uh, when he was playing, oh, big time. yeah, and I'm still a fan. Uh, but uh, I'd probably just I'd probably say the Raiders, honestly, just because Las Vegas is real close to home. Um, and yeah, yeah, a lot of family could always come to the games, and that's cool. So, yeah. who were inspiration growing up? So, have you always played linebacker, and who did you idolize when you were in high school at a college level? And then once now you're in college, who do you idolize in the pros? Um, the a linebacker I've always uh, just followed and tried to play like and be like was uh, Kyle Van Noy, like you mentioned earlier. Kidding? Yeah, yeah, I've always been a big fan of his. Salt Lake, I ran into Salt Lake Airport. He'd just been on Pat, Pat McAfee's show. And he had no team, and the next day he signed by the Ravens. So it was yeah. kind of a cool time for him to be in town. And yeah, he and I are really close. He's such a stud. Good for you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So do they? They should move you more around. The reason why he had so many sacks is because they'd move him at you know, and then you know, the six got put him down in the A, the B. They'd move him all around so they would have those those mat those those unfair matchups and. Maybe yep. they need to do that with you. Maybe Kyle needs to hear the plays I've been calling all these years that he ignores. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, I've been, I've been following. I watched him today uh, when he played for the Ravens. So, yeah. Does he know you idolize him? Um, I don't. Probably not. I have never met him or anything. I will have to hook you up when you come when he comes back through town. That'd be awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A Ravens game, baby. Yep. Okay, so nil. Um, We'll talk offline. I got some great ideas, but what would be a, what would be a, this is my last question. What would be your very best sales pitch looking in the camera and talking to every parent and every high school football player in the nation of why they should come to the university of Utah. Stanford's a good program. We're not dissing it. You've got some good, Good, good time there and a great education. But let's just talk Utah Utes, baby. Why should someone encourage their son to sign with the University of Utah? What makes our program so unique? And now that you've been part of it, what what stands out? Why should everybody uh, decide to enter the transfer portal right now when we hang up and and become a Ute? I would just say the way these coaches. Um develop you as a football player and uh, also the interactions you have with them off the field just just make you a better person um but but definitely as a football player um I feel like a much better football player than when I when I came here in June from when I was at Stanford for those four years um yeah I'm moving faster my just every everything linebacker wise I feel like coach coach Swan and coach uh, Scally have have done a great job just 
teaching teaching me and uh, developing me into a great player um, on the field, but then off the field as well. You know, you just you grow and you you reach your potential as as a person and as a football player here at, at the University of Utah. So, yeah, I'm definitely glad I came here and uh, yeah, have no regrets at all. And we have a pro kind of a pro system. We our team meetings are, are organized like a pro team. You know, I've worked with so many teams in the NFL and that's why Utah, I think as, as of today, it has held their record for a long time. They're the second highest uh, NCAA football program to put the most in the most players into the NFL only behind Alabama. Wow. You really want to play and you're having a chance to showcase yourself uh, this is a good place to play. I'm, you can tell I'm just a cut and dried you, baby. I'm so proud to be a Utah player. So how do we get a hold of you? If somebody watching this amazing episode wants to, you know, get you a new car now that your wife's driving the new truck. Yeah. <laughs> tell us how we can get a hold of you on social media or how we can support you or how we can reach out. Um. Yeah, just sending me a message on Instagram maybe. My yeah, my username is just my first name, Levani. L e v a n i. Yes, sir. That's correct. Dot com or dot dot stud muffin hunker burning love or what is it? <laughs> yeah, none of the just the just L e v a n i. Okay, baby. Yep. And I appreciate you so much as a fan of Utah. You know, we we travel well. I was at the Coliseum with my wife and my daughter watching us beat the crap out of. Uh, out of USC and awesome, awesome. Oh, uh, Utah travels so well. You know, it's almost like a home game every time you play, and and that the reason behind that, my friend, is because you represent us. We're so proud of the the young man that you are on the field and off the field. So that's our ultimate compliment. Thank you, thank you. I know you play for more than just yourself. You play for your family and your good name and your heritage and, and 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 the fans so on behalf of every fan thanks for repping, repping us so well at such a high classy level we love you we honor you man and i can't wait to see you play next week thanks dan i appreciate that great to, yeah, great great to meet you thanks babe the views and opinions expressed on the power players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of kutv or sinclair broadcast group